I'm Jefferson Graham with USA Today. You're listening to Talking Tech, where today's show is brought to you by Time Warner Cable. And we are going to talk about the lost art of photo prints. Andrew Funderburg is here from Portland, Oregon. He is a street photographer, a great photographer, and the founder of a software company. And he is on a mission to bring back prints on the wall, which he feels have been lost. Right, Andrew? Yeah, thank you, Jefferson. Uh, and not only on the wall, just even loose prints, even four by sixes that go into a shoebox and somebody finds that shoebox decades later. And you've brought some prints. Now, you're doing a documentary on the lost art of printmaking. Exactly. And it's not really the lost art of printmaking, but just a documentary on the power of print. So one of my beliefs is that print is a bridge across generations. And it's prints that help keep those family stories alive. So this summer, I'm going to the south of France to recreate a portrait that was done of my great-great-uncle in World War I in the very same studio that, that portrait was taken. Uh, you could argue that more people are looking at images today than ever when people are sharing their smartphones and looking looking at pictures on websites and stuff like that. Certainly, I mean, so what would Facebook be without imagery? Exactly. As you know. Yeah, but, and I, I love Facebook, and I love sharing photos on Facebook, and I love uh, that... Uh, we're able to have a birthday party with our kids and take photos, and then you know our aunts and uncles or grandmas can be in another state and instantly see those photos, and that's fantastic. What I believe is that if we don't print those photos, that those photos will die with this current generation. And so uh, without printing them, we aren't ensuring that uh, our kids' kids will be able to see their birthday photos. So are you suggesting that people go back to the drugstore like they used to or uh, use different different means to get prints made? Uh, I, I think anything. So I have, uh, I have a few little mini printers that I use all the time. I have a Fuji Instax printer that prints little tiny Polaroid style prints uh, that I do all the time. In my house and my office, I have a little Canon selfie and also an and Epson, uh, I think they're called Playmates. They just do little four by six prints, or just go to you know your local drugstore slash supermart that does prints, and uh, yeah, print those up. Okay, as a as a guy who has a software firm, yep. you your target is photographers making albums. That's another thing that has been lost a little bit. Has been the the, the wedding album, the bar mitzvah album, mm -hmm. the anniversary album. Um, what, how's the state of the album? So, uh, exactly. We do two things. One is, uh, album creation software for professional photographers and then, uh, wall art creation software for professional photographers that help them get albums and wall art prints back into their clients' hands. And it's funny. I think that four or five years ago, uh, that was really a struggle to convince clients to print this up. But I think that we've come full circle and everybody has dropped their smartphone and broke it or accidentally washed it in the laundry, which I may or may not have done. Uh, and we've all lost uh, a hard drive or had something crash. And we've lost photos that meant a lot to us. And so I think that the general public now fully understands the importance of not only having the photos on, you know, uh, our Facebook, our hard drive, or whatever, our phone, but also having hard copies of those in print that you know are either on a shelf or on the wall. Okay, so um, are you are you are you seeing more albums being made now? I think so. I think uh, the number of albums for everything from weddings to portraits to bar mitzvahs and bat mitzvahs and everything, um, I think, are way up compared to what they used to be. Okay, because they got really expensive. I think that was one reason why people stopped making them. 
Um, yeah, and I think that they they still are expensive. I mean, printing photos is expensive, but I think what's happened is people understand the value. You know, it's 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 like everything. When you when you buy something, you you always have a bunch of choices on what to buy from very cheap to very expensive, and uh, usually get more value because of that. Okay. So uh, they are expensive, but they have a lot of value not only for people who are printing them, but for their kids and grandkids, et cetera. For the photographers out there who are listening, tell why you decided to do a company based on album software. So what I found out was that uh, all of the software based on albums, et cetera, based on templates. And so you'd have like, you know, a vertical box and a horizontal box and a vertical box, and then you had to put your photos in them. But I got really frustrated because there was this template and I maybe had a horizontal where there was a vertical box. So what we did is we reversed engineered and create a patent that actually creates designs based on your images without any templates. So it's patented the only template free design software in the world. And that's how I got into it. It was just out of frustration of what existed and I wanted something that worked differently. And what made you say, hey, this would be a really good business? Um, I, it, funny, I actually didn't know I had a business until I put the software up for sale and then it did much better than I had ever imagined. And then I went from having a literature degree and teaching English in Japan to owning a software business almost overnight. Wow. Okay. <laughs> and for the photographers who are listening, you've just come out with a new version of the software, V7. It sells for $299, yep. if, if I've got it correct. Correct. And why don't you tell folks about it? So we have re released version 7, um, Fundy Designer, and we believe it's the first ever truly professional auto design. So it can work off of your taggings and ratings within Lightroom. Uh, and with a click of a button, you can design a very professional album. And within seconds, you have a first draft of that album, and then you can tweak from there. And we've taken album design from possibly hours of work in the studio down to minutes. And that enables the photographer to give the general public a, a professional design um, that uh, really tells the story of, of their day. Okay. Um, one problem with automatics is that usually uh, photographers who are control freaks say, no, 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 no. That's in the wrong place. That's exactly. In the wrong, that's in the wrong place. Yep. And it could actually take you way more time to make an automatic album than yep. an annual album. And that's why uh, we have a lot of controls that lets you storyboard out the album before you hit the auto design button. So you can group images, you can tag images to be a pano in the album, tag images to be the main image, the cover photo, etc. So you get the all the automation, but you don't have to give up any of the control. Because I'm a control freak too. Yeah. Just like everybody else. You know, I just shoot in manual. Uh, you know, I, I want full control over my experience. Okay. Um, was it was I asking about the album? Okay, I hit a blank. Um, how is the how is the V seven doing? Uh, it's great. We've uh, you know we're had our best month ever when we released it, uh, getting a lot of great press on throughout the uh, media channels. Um, and uh, for me though, it's the the best thing is that a lot of photographers are coming back to us just saying how much fun they're having, right? Because Life is short. We want to do something we love and we're passionate about, and we want to have fun doing it. Okay. 
and you are not a soft, you do not know how to, how to do code, so what do you do? You have a team that works with you in Portland, and you just go to them and say, I want to I get an automatic album made. Exactly. We have, about, we have about 15 full-time employees, um, and then a few part-time. We, all of our developers are in-house, and the process is that I come up with some crazy idea, and then uh, our wonderful graphic designer, uh, Jasmine, des- designs the UI, and we spec out the functionality, and then uh, our wonderful programmers, Bill and Jonathan, uh, and the rest of the team go in and code it up, and then we test it and make sure it works and, and get it out there. So uh, it's, it's, it's a step-by-step process, but it starts out with a crazy idea. And how long did it take to go from idea to reality? So with version 7, uh, it was from idea to reality, it was about a, a year. Uh, of um, concept, specking it out, and then starting coding and, and testing. Wow. Okay. And do you do a new version every year? Uh, we do a full new version about every year and a half to two years, and then we'll do subsequent updates uh, throughout the rest of the year. So in the fall, we'll be doing update all around um, wall art and in-person sales sessions uh, or design consultations that photographers can do with their clients. So you can bring in, the client can take a, iPhone photo of their living room wall and the photographer can mock up exactly what uh, the wall art will look like to scale within their living room, for example. Why aren't you, for the people who can't afford $300 for album software mm-hmm. who maybe aren't pros, talk, talk to them about your blog, blogging software, which is, I believe, $60. Sometimes you even give it away. Exactly. That's how I got it. Um, <laughs> and it's really fun. But tell, tell people about exactly. it. Exactly. So the, our blogging software is kind of like a little mini album builder so you can design collages for uh, blogs and social media Um, a lot of photographers use them for blogs and social media a lot of wedding photographers will use them for their partners so they'll do like a cake collage and a flower collage and you know a hotel collage and then they'll give those out to those specific vendors that they can put on their own blogs also Okay, and it's sixty dollars, correct? It's sixty dollars. Yeah. Okay. So you're probably seeing with with the album and the blog collage. One of our our taglines in our company is storyteller. We believe everybody has a story uh, that can be told, and as photographers, our job is to tell those stories. So that's where we we come in. We help you tell those stories. All right. So let's talk about your story, which is uh, your street photography. What sort of stories are you telling in Portland? So uh, I have. Um, a personal project that uh, I gave myself to just make myself shoot more. I'm doing a print for every day of the year, and the majority of that is in Portland. Uh, I only allow myself to use two lenses, the 35 millimeter and the 50 millimeter on a full frame camera, and the thir- 35 millimeter I use for action shots, and then the 50 millimeter I do I use for portraits. And the challenge to myself is, is I go up to someone on the street uh, and I just strike up a conversation find out who they are, you know, what they do. Um, quite often it might be a, a street performer or, you know, homeless person uh, begging for money and kind of find out their story. And then I do a really nice portrait of them and then give them a Polaroid copy of that portrait right there on the spot on the street. Okay, well, you, you are... You- you have a, a woman with you today who is photographing you as you speak. Exactly. Why don't you bring her with you when you do the street photography? Because I think these would be great videos. Yeah. We actually, if you go to our website and you click on the About Us link, uh, we 
do have a video where we talk about our company in general, and we do have some behind the scenes of me shooting and giving out those portraits right on the street that are, that are it's really fun to see people's reaction when they hold a print. Okay. Now, I got to know you because you are so active on social media, and you know you do it better than many. And um, why don't you give some of your tips on social media? When do you know that you've gone overboard? Too many posts. Um, <laughs> you know, I've, I've been known to do as many as 10 in a day. Yeah. Uh, what do you do? So uh, we don't have a specific strategy. Uh, we want to post at least uh, twice a day on Instagram, uh, uh, once or twice a day on Facebook. And part of the problem is that social media is a moving target, right? So if you post... 10 times a day, we don't really know if the same people are going to see those 10 posts or not. So hopefully if we post 10 times a day, every time we post, different people will be seeing that post, but we don't know. So I think we're really in a stage of uh, experimentation now, and you really have to find out what works for you. But um, I think we don't want to be afraid to post too much to start off with. Post a lot and then see how it goes and then scale back from there. You post as a business on a business page for Facebook? We, uh, everything. So as a business, we post as a business and, and important things for our business. And then as a person, I post on the power of story and the power of print. Um, that's kind of a halo over our company. Right, to the photo community. To the photo community oh, in but general. when you post as a business, do you not, you know, I found that, Facebook put handcuffs on the business. It does. You, you can't tag anybody. Yep. Uh, unless they've liked your page. Unless they've liked your page. Yep. Okay. Uh, Instagram is Instagram. You can tag anyone, mm -hmm. which is great uh, for now. <laughs> but um, yeah, b being a business is is hard, and and on Facebook, and it is a money making vehicle for Facebook. So sometimes it's just a matter of biting the bullet and paying for that boosted post. And do you do that uh, all the time? And yeah. does it pay off? Yes. Yeah, so we, uh, when we are being aggressive and paying for our ads on, on social media and the web versus not, uh, the, the traffic on our website is, can be down to uh, 50% of what it was with an active campaign going. Really? Yeah, so it, it works. And so it really depends on how much money you want to spend and how much return you want and then following okay, those so metrics. So you had a new software version that came yep. out two weeks ago and you wanted to plug it. So I assume that was the time that you said, let's spend some money. Exactly. Okay. I think we probably tripled our spend on advertisements. And what do you, do you just say, find me photographers? I mean, how do you, how do you do the campaign? So the campaigns are, um, Facebook actually on their help documents are very clear and very helpful in that. So it's, you know, you target your audience and your age group and, you know, your, uh, demographics. So for example, for us, our clients are not photographers, but the professional wedding and portrait photographers. So we don't want to advertise to people who are just interested in photography, but we want to advertise people who are interested in wedding photography and portrait photography. And so w try to be as specific as you can um, with your your net that you're casting across the, the and you, ads. And you can do that. And yeah. They will tell you this person is a wedding photographer. Well, they don't tell you this person is, but you say, I want to target people who live in countries X, Y, and Z that are from this age to this age that are interested in wedding photography and portrait photography. And so then those ads will appear okay. on those people's pages. So we know that Facebook clearly works for you. 
what other social media, uh, paid uh, social media is working? Uh, Instagram is great, um, especially for t- photographers because it's all about photography. Um, and then just general uh, web advertising. What sort? So uh, usually something that taps into Google's uh, AdSense system, which works very much the same. So you can, you can target by preference. you do search ads? Uh, we do, no, we don't do search ads. Uh, we do ads where uh, our ads will appear at different places while you're browsing the web as graphics. So, so photo websites? You know, photo websites, uh, you know, all sorts of uh, stuff. I don't really know how it works completely. We just, we just, just set just it up founder. and go. You're yeah. just the founder. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, yeah. So our, our marketing team and PR team sets that all up for us. Okay. When you were a English teacher in Japan, mm-hmm. were you a photographer at the time? So it's kind of interesting how I got into photography. I was lucky enough to be fairly young in my late 20s when, uh, or maybe it wasn't late 20s, maybe it was early 30s. I'm losing it. <laughs> but when the first digital SLRs became somewhat affordable. In the 90s. Uh, no, so the early oh, early 2000s. So I think it's okay. 2001 when the Nikon D100. This is when the first one that was in the $2,000 range. Before that, they the were like five. The first big one was the Rebel. Yeah, it was exactly. The first Rebel was yeah. $1,000. Yeah. So I think a little bit before that was the D, the 60D or something like that, the Canon 60D that was about 2000, the Nikon D100. And I really got interested in photography because of my kids. And then uh, there was kind of this renaissance in wedding photography in the early 2000s. And I got really excited about that and end up, ended up second shooting in a studio in Japan, all in Japanese at, at weddings out in the boonies. So I wasn't in Tokyo or anything. I was out in the boonies. So I was l- one of maybe three Caucasians in the areas. And I happened to be your wedding photographer <laughs> at your wedding. And then from there, uh, I, w- I garnered a contract at three Iron Chef restaurants to shoot exclusively in those weddings that were being performed there in Japan in Japan and and that's how I got into the industry and and made albums and got frustrated with with your choices exactly and and said okay I'm tired of Japan I will move to Portland now yeah so I had been in Japan for 13 years and my kids were born in Japan my wife's Japanese my dog was born in Japan and we were ready to uh not we I was ready to move back home uh and I Convinced my wife, and, and we moved back. Okay. Are you from Oregon? I'm from Oregon, yeah. So I moved back home. So I moved back to my you know, my parents and my sister and my cousins. Everybody was in the Portland area. Okay. Since we're talking about Oregon, tell me about the Portland tech scene. I believe you call it the Silicon Forest. Yes. So that's the new thing. It's the Silicon Forest, uh, which is great. We have this huge tech boom up there. Um, the downside is that a lot of the Silicon Valley people have moved up to Portland uh, and Everything's getting more expensive and traffic is becoming horrible. <laughs> but it's a very exciting time to be a tech company in Portland because it's really the kind of this, uh, it's this huge renaissance of, of technology in Portland. Who are some of the big names? Uh, well, in Portland in general, the big names are Nike and Intel. Those are the two big names. Uh, and then a lot of new companies like Urban Airship, um, Uber's moving in, uh, trying to, they're fighting with the city. Um, just... Wacom is there in the photography world. Uh, all of it's just it goes on and on. All of these companies that are moving in, all of these new startups. Here in the Silicon Beach area, what you have is a lot of people who've been living there for for eons who get booted out of their homes because Snapchat has taken over all the property mm-hmm. and and other companies like that. And so you have a you know 
you have the haves and the have nots, mm-hmm. just like in San Francisco. Yep. Ha- has that come to Portland yet? I believe so, yeah. So there's there's a lot uh, going on right now with the city council and how we're going to protect the uniqueness of Portland, um, but still welcome all of the new investment that's coming in. And, you know, there's there's a lot of back and forth there. Okay. So you have, have you peaked or does Portland have a long way to go as far as being a tech, tech center? Oh, I think it has a long, I think we're just getting started. Just getting started. Yeah. Okay. And where are they going to go to next, do you think? Who knows? Because they, they went to Seattle first yeah. and then went down to Portland. Yeah. They're not going to Eureka. No. They're I mean, not going know, to Springfield. You know, they're not going to Ashland. I don't know. Yeah. They're yeah. not going to Bend. I, yeah. I have no idea. You know, they might bleed a little bit across the river into Vancouver, although Washington, although the uh, infrastructure is not quite there. I don't know. That's a good question. Idaho? We'll do they, see. Do they get to the Idaho? Yeah. Uh, gosh, I don't know. Maybe Maui. Then I can go to uh, Maui. Yeah. <laughs> Salt Lake is, has gotten some. Yeah, that's true. Too. Yep. Right. Um, colder than Portland. Yeah. Right. And what about the wet? You're wet 10 months a year? Or is that a myth? Um, it used to be, it's changing a little bit. I think global warming is affecting us a little bit. It's not quite as, as wet as it used to be. Uh, well, it's, it is wet. It's just condensed in smaller time frames. Uh, and the weather's gotten a little bit more extreme. So we had, I think we had from January to March, uh, I think it rained as much in three months as, as we have on average in a whole year this wow. year. So it was a pretty miserable uh, winter, early spring. But then in April, we got some 80-degree days. Okay. Well, I'll see you in July. It will be warm. It will be warm in and July. probably not wet. No. Okay. So as you leave here, you want people to know that don't forget about making prints, mm-hmm. right? Because yep. tell them what you, what, what you brought with you. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, I think there's, there's a couple things I brought with me. Uh, w- two photos that I always like to show wedding photographers are these uh, snapshots of uh, my mom and dad. So one is my mom and dad standing outside the hotel where they got married. Um, And then the other one is probably right after they got married. I mean, they're both look very happy and relaxed. And these are the only two real snapshots I have of my parents' wedding. The other photo is the formal posed photo. And so I always tell photographers, if, they, if I could send them back in time to shoot my parents' wedding, I don't really care about some wow shot with crazy lighting or, or you know, anything like that. What I really care about are, are the moments. I would love to see the moments with my dad and his parents and my mom and her parents and her siblings and his siblings and just those little moments, that the story in between those moments are what I want to see. And... That's what's important for us to shoot uh, so that it's around for the kids and the grandkids. And to make copies of it. And to (laughs) print it and stick it in a box because somebody's going to find that box. And this is a perfect example. Uh, This print was rediscovered uh, recently. I have this actual print. It was done in World War II, so it's 100 years old. I mean, you can see the quality of the print. Mm-hmm. Tell people what it is. And it's my great, great uncle, Stephen Gurney, and his portrait was taken in what? the south of France. By in Ernest. World War yeah. And so it has a <laughs> photography dart Ernest in France, and it has the address. So after having this print for a while, I was like, well, I wonder. And I Googled it, and this studio is still in business in the south of France. On the back of this print, it says that he was killed in action shortly after the photo was taken. And whoever wrote that wrote that on this print decades ago. Well, we've discovered that that's not true. 
his brother was killed in action, but he survived and made it home. Um, but this July, we're doing a documentary to reinforce the power of print and story. And I'm, I'll be traveling back to France in July, and I'll be taking a portrait in this very studio where this was taken to complete that circle. So people, should everybody be going to France to do portraits or just take the portrait and th- make a print? I think two things. I think, one, print all of your stuff. Even if you just print it four by six and stick it in a box, that's fantastic. If you want to make an album a year, we make a family album every year where we just take all of the photos, throw them in a book, and have them printed. Uh, but just print them and make sure that they are on paper and they're around for future generations. And, and that's it. And if you can, dig back in your past and find some old family photos, because we all have them. They're all somewhere in a shoebox, stuck away in some aunt or grandma's house somewhere. Go find those and try to rediscover those stories uh, and share them with your children and your grandchildren. Okay. So on that note, we're going to take some pictures now. We're going to say goodbye. Okay. Thank you for coming down to Los Angeles to the USA Day podcasting studio at the LA Bureau. Andrew Thunderbird, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Jefferson. This episode of Talking Tech has been brought to you by Time Warner Cable. With speeds up to 300 megs and fast, reliable Wi-Fi hotspots, you can power all your devices and stream videos seamlessly with Time Warner Cable Internet.